Greetings, listeners, and welcome back to Silver on the Sage podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin, and I want to chat quickly about some big things that are happening this summer. We've got the 50th PSA Homecoming, the 100th Maverick Club Rodeo, and the Philmont Wrangler Reunion. Now, the Philmont Wrangler Reunion will take place July 1st and 2nd in Red River, New Mexico. On Friday evening, June 30th, we'll be kicking off the weekend with a Michael Martin Murphy chuck wagon dinner and performance. Details coming soon, including a calendar of events and pricing, so be sure to book your lodging as soon as you can. There's going to be music, relaxation, shared oral history, and a benefit auction. The proceeds from the event will go towards the PSA and the Cimarron Maverick Club. This event is open to past Philmont Wranglers and all current and past Philmont staff who are friends of the department. I, for one, cannot wait for this event, and I hope to see you all there. Today, dedicated, lifelong cowboy Chuck Enlow joins the show. Chuck has been working at Philmont seasonally and full-time for a combined total of around 40 years. His friends describe him as steady and unpretentious. He's also cowboyed at prominent northern New Mexico ranches, including the Moore Ranch and UU Bar. As a youth, Chuck went on three treks at Philmont and then started on seasonal staff in 1971 in the dining hall. Today, Chuck is the livestock foreman for Philmont's ranch department and has been full-time in the department since 2002. We discuss the year-round work of the department, which, of course, is necessary to maintain Philmont's standing as a working cattle ranch, all the while providing participants with memorable ranch experiences in the summertime. The camaraderie of working with people and becoming like family is what Chuck loves most about the job. He interjects some great stories, humor, and excitement for the upcoming 2023 summer season. A small housekeeping note, I do apologize for some brief moments of delay. It was a windy evening at Philmont when we were chatting, so we did not have the best service at times. All right then, on with the show. Hey, Chuck, this is Caitlin. Hey, Caitlin, how are you doing this evening? I'm good. Are you there? Are you there? Yeah. Yep, can yeah, you hear I can hear okay. you now. Okay, well, I appreciate you doing this. I know a lot of folks will be excited to hear from you on the podcast. Oh, yeah, you bet. Okay, I will kick it off. So I'm here on the phone tonight with Chuck Enlow. And Chuck, you've been a cowboy at Philmont for a long time. If my math is right, you've been working at Philmont for about 28 years full-time and around 12 years seasonally. So that's about 40 years. Does that sound right? 
Uh, about that, yeah. That's a, I think so. I can't remember all the years, but it's been a long time for sure. So, Just excited to talk to you tonight about your experience working at Philmont seasonally and full-time. Um, where are you from originally? I'm from Wichita Falls in Seymour, Texas, originally. My dad was a band director there. I started Boy Scouts in Wichita Falls, Texas, and uh, oh, probably 1962, 63, like that. Um, I'm an Eagle Scout and an OA member. Uh, I worked at a few council camps through the years, and I was a camper at Philmont in 1968, 1969, and 1970. That sort of started my Philmont career. I really wanted to work here. So uh, my mom helped me apply, put an application in. I worked in the dining hall, uh, which is actually the trading post right now. That's the building that it was. Uh, in 1971, I worked for Jim Foster in the dining hall. And he promised me, he said, if you do a good job, I'll try to get you the job you want. I wanted to be a wrangler, and I must have done it because in 1972, they hired me for a wrangler. I worked at Bobian and Clark's Fork that summer under Doug Johnson and then a guy named Danny Salone. Any specific memories from your trek or what made you want to work at Philmont so bad? You know, uh, I, the first year I went to Philmont, I didn't know what to expect. When I showed up here and I tell people, I was looking around for the swimming pool and the merit badge stuff. I didn't know what it would happen. <laughs> anyway, they put us on a bus bus dropped us off at the Lover's Leap turnaround, and we started walking for 10 days. It was sort of a shock for me at first, but I sort of enjoyed it. I've got some pictures of me climbing Mount Phillips out of Clear Creek. And uh, anyway, the next year, I really didn't, the first year wasn't the greatest time, but I decided to come back, and I had a really good time the second time. And my advisor my third year, was great. He was the best advisor that I've ever seen. And that's when I really fell in love with Philmont and wanted to work here. Did you grow up on a ranch and working around livestock? I had a, my grandfather had a farm and I, we used to ride some a lot, but I, I did, was not raised on the farm, but I'd go during the summers and visit with them and, and stuff like that. When I came here, I could ride a horse even my first year as a wrangler, but I was nowhere near a cowboy or anything like that. I picked up most of it here at Philmont. So, any specific memories from that summer? You know, uh, I've thought about a lot what to say. In 1972, I was 19 years old, and uh, this was like the greatest adventure. But one of the things that I remember the most, you have to understand. Back then, things were wide open in Cimarron. There was four bars. I was 19 years old. I snuck into a bar with a night with a guy one night, Doug Johnson. Anyway, the place was full of cowboys. The local sheriff had on a cowboy hat, a gun. He was playing pool, drinking a beer. And I said to myself, I have got to move to Cimarron, New Mexico. But that's when I really fell in love with the place. And also the country. I mean, the people I worked with, it was it was amazing to work at Bobian my first summer. So after your first summer, you took two years off and you were in the Marine Corps. 
Was that hard? Yeah. Well, you know, it was exciting to be in the Marine Corps. Uh, I spent some time in Japan and Korea. I spent two years in the Marine Corps, but I did want to get back to Philmont. And in 1975, I started a college. And then that summer, I came back working for Philmont as a wrangler at Clark's Fork. After that summer at Clark's Fork, uh, you returned the next four summers and you were at Poneal uh, Horseman those years. So you stayed on for a long time there. Um, do you have a favorite horse camp out of Clark's, Poneal, or Bobian? It, it would be Poneal. Poneal was uh, one of the best. I, I, I enjoyed that the most. Uh, you stayed busy. We had horse rides. I really enjoyed enjoyed the borough program, and uh, that was you know at Ponyo, and so that's why I like Ponyo the best. I was there from 1976. My last summer there was 1980. Yeah, Ponyo is a special spot. A lot of people say it's just this like dusty canyon, but I really grew to love it when I was out there seasonally too. It's one of my favorite, if not the favorite camp on the ranch, actually. And then from 1980 to 83, I worked for Alice Moore on the Moore Ranch near Raton. And uh, she was a really tough lady to work for. But I, I learned a lot about cows and learned a lot about cowboying from 1980 to 83. Yeah. In 1983, I came back as a cavalcade horseman for one summer. The Alice Moore Ranch, was that the ranch, was she known for her her quarter horses? Yes, she was. Uh, had some really good horses, um, some really good cows too, but some of the best horses I ever rode in my life was working for Alice. She had some really good special horses. And like you said, you returned then in 1983 as Cavalcade Horseman. Was Cavalcade different then as it is today? No. Well, uh, yes, it's the same, uh, it's the same length. The Calvacate program came back in like 1977, 78. And at first it was like a full 12 day trek, but you did it horseback. In 1983, it was down to five days and it was only on the south end of the ranch. It was not on the north end. But uh, it's basically the same thing. Uh, we went out with 15 people, pack horses. It was just a little bit shorter than when it first started. And it's, that's the way it is today. It's five days and five nights on the trail. Being out on horseback, either on cavalcade or just as a wrangler, do you have any stories encountering bears or other wildlife, mountain lions? You know, uh I've had three incidents with bears, but they weren't horseback or nothing like that. Uh, we did run into one bear. We were pushing burrows on the Chase Ranch. And uh, anyway, I, I sent a guy around to open a gate. The next thing I know, he's trying to climb this old adobe wall there, and a bear came around. We were laughing at him because the bear took off. He was mad at us for laughing at us. We got off for a horse. The next thing I knew, the bear came back at us, and we all three were trying to climb the adobe wall, I think. I didn't know a bear could run that fast. But uh, that's – I had an incident also on fence crew with a bear where we – my boss actually, his name was Joe Montoya. 
Uh, he actually swung at a bear with a shovel one time. <laughs> we were up at Ponderosa. But uh, that's about it with bears and horses. After you were a cavalcade horseman in 83, you went on to work at UU Bar for Bob Knox. Yes, I'd worked under Bob. He was the livestock foreman or the ranch manager. I'm not sure what they called it back then. He he was in charge of the cows and the horses when I first started in 1972. And I worked for him. He left Philmont in 19, I believe, 83. I'm not for sure. But he, he went to UU Bar, and I started working for him in 1984 on the UU Bar. And I loved working for Bob. He was a lot of fun. Uh, it seemed like all we did was wait for cattle trucks, either to, to unload cattle or to pick up cattle. But he loved to pitch pennies, roll dice, and that's what we did, waiting for cattle trucks. And it, it was a, a great pleasure working for Bob. Did you work there for eight years? I worked from 1984 to 1992, and I okay. was at Liguria Camp for three of those years, and then uh, I moved down to headquarters. I, I met my wife and got married when I was working on the UU board. We lived at the cookhouse there till 1992. UU bar is a lot bigger than I realized when I was there seasonally. It's like, what, 200 17,000 acres or so, is that right? It is now. When I worked there, it was a little bit bigger than Philmont. It was probably 135,000 acres when I worked there. They've added several tracts of land since then. Okay. And just for people listening who might not know where the cow camp, what, what did you? what was the cow camp called you worked at? Where is that located in relation to Philmont? Okay, Liguria Cow Camp is, if you go to Apache Springs, it's a little bit southeast, about two miles from Apache Springs. UU Bar borders Philmont along the rim there from Rialto Canyon around toward Wild Horse Parks and uh, back in through there. Okay. Any other, I know Bob Knox is a, is a really renowned man and people speak so highly of him. Um, there stories there you wanted to impart? Well, yeah, Bob Knox was a great individual. Uh, he worked at Philmont for years off and on from when he was a kid. Uh, his uncles worked for Philmont when it started some, but uh, he was a great guy. He used to have a lot of fun with him. Uh, I remember one time, this is back when we both smoked, uh, I forgot my cigarettes that day, but I carried my the way I, I carried a pocket full of kitchen matches to light my cigarettes, he was always giving me that day. He was always, I was bumming a cigarette from him all the time. And anytime we were on Rialto Mesa and uh, anyway, I was counting about 800 yearlings with a guy. They had funneled them through. We were getting a count on him and he handed me a cigarette and I just stuck it in my pocket. I didn't know he had lit it for me. Anyway, it set my whole pocket on fire, and the the last thing I remember, I'm off my horse trying to put my shirt, pat my shirt down, and Bob was on his knees laughing. That was just Bob. He just liked to have a good time, and a great individual. That's a good story. Um, so then, in 1992, you returned as Ponyal Horseman. Um, 
Did, was there a reason you left UU Bar to come back to Philmont? The ranch sold, and uh, anyway, we got to keep the house for about three or four months, but new owners took over, and they uh, let everybody go on the ranch. But I did get to stay on the in the house, the cookhouse that summer, but I did work for Philmont in 1992, and I was a okay. Pony Ranger a horseman again that year. Okay, I see. And then 1995 is when you were first hired um, full-time at Philmont on Fence Crew. Yes. Some people aren't familiar with Fence Crew. I assume that means that you guys take care of the fences on the property, but I'm sure there's more to it. And what was that role like? Well, Philmont has about 300 miles of fences. And uh, when you move your cows or your horses to a, another pasture, you have to go around the fence, make sure it's up. So that's what we mainly did. We took care of the fences. It was our first job. Then we also took care of a lot of the springs uh, and, and the water catchments. Uh, Joe was in charge of that. So we did fences and a lot of the springs and water. And those summers, you were also the horseman at Poneal there in 99, 2000, and 2001, right? Yes. Uh huh. They, uh, they let me be the horseman during the summer. During the winter, I went back to the fence crew. That's a pretty nice gig. That was probably fun. <laughs> yes, it was. It was a. I really enjoyed that. Then in 2000, you moved into the livestock department working for Ben Vargas and Rod Taylor. And you were there for about 17 years until in 2019, you became the livestock foreman, which you're still currently in that role. So the livestock department, give us kind of a bird's eye view of of what that department does. Well, we have horses to start with. We run about two. Right now, we're down to about 230 horses. But back then, during the 70s and 80s, we had about 300 horses at, at the peak of the summer. We were running about 250 cows. We have about 130 buffalo, and we have about 100 head of burros. And our job was to take care of all the livestock. Rod Taylor usually worked with the cows. He took care of the cows mainly. Uh, me and Ben took care of the horses and burros. And, and Bob Rickless was a, our boss in charge of the whole program. It's pretty incredible that Philmont is, is a working cattle ranch, and that was part of Wait Phillips' vision, of course. And as you mentioned, some of those numbers are smaller than they were in the 70s. Is there a specific reason for that or just capacity? Our cow herds down, uh, mainly we've been in a drought for so long that this uh, everybody's livestock numbers are down, but we've cut the cow herd down from when I first started full-time to about 320 to 350. We're down to about 150, 160 cows that we take to the mountains. Our horse numbers are down. Horses are so expensive right now that we we used to have uh, rides of like 35 twice a day. We've cut our rides down to 25 three times a day to try to keep from having to buy so many horses and mm-hmm. just to keep the price down. Sure, sure. And the the bison at Philmont, they harvest the bison, and you know, like the dining hall in the backcountry, we 
Yes, we do some of that. Uh, we also, like, we just ship 20 cows, uh, 20 bison uh, to make uh, bison jerky out of bison sticks, uh, which is a, a big favorite on Philmont Scout Ranch. And they do eat them in the dining hall. And then occasionally we do sell uh, some of the bulls for hunts that people come out and harvest a bull, pay for them. Just kind of talking a little bit more about livestock. So as as a working ranch, Philmont breeds cattle, horses, bison, and burros. Are there any, like, iconic horses that Philmont has owned or, or even just in the Wrangler Ranch Department? Like, is there a, a line there or are they just kind of your general run-of-the-mill trail horses? You know, we have a few broodmares and we've raised several you know, every year there's one or two horses that we try to break that we put in a string. But mainly we buy our horses from different horse buyers and different horse sales. If okay. you talk to the Wranglers, there's favorite horses that they rode and and everything. But uh, mainly we buy our horses from horse buyers. Okay. Um, do you have a favorite horse? Well, um, I've had several through the years. Uh, there's a horse called Blooch that I liked, a horse called Loopy. I've had several of my own horses I really like. But uh, Philmont horses would be Blooch, Loopy, uh, going all the way back to horses like some people would recognize these names, Concho, Dreets. Uh, they were just wrangling horses. But uh, there's also a lot of infamous dude horses like uh, Dozer and Shamrock, uh, Ringo, uh, those names won't mean nothing to, but to the Wranglers that work with them, but they're there. Yeah. <laughs> um, how do you, how do you guys name all the horses? You know, when we, we buy about 35 to 40 horses a year and we start riding them and all the Wranglers, <clears throat> they get pet names for them and everything. But Ben used to have the final say in what they're named, but one day we vaccinate them, we brand them, and we name them. We take pictures of them, so we know we've got pretty good records of them like that. And the Wranglers get to say, I'd like to name this horse this. A lot of times Ben says, that's good. Or we've had, sometimes Ben will say, you know, that we had a horse that looked like him 20 years ago, and we'll name him that. But uh, that's how we name them. Is mainly the Wranglers. So talking just kind of more about the livestock department, since you've you've been in that department for so long, what does the off-season look like? Well, okay, when we end the summer, we usually keep two or three Wranglers on. We have to take the, the horses up into the mountains. We'll go to the Baldy country, maybe Apache or Bobby Inn with them. Then we start gathering the cows. We take it. We usually we take the cows up to the high country in June, and then at the end of August, first September, we start gathering all the cows down to the low country, and we start working them. We weigh them. Uh, we give shots. We pre check the cows. Uh, decide the heifer calves that we want to keep for replacements, and then we get a shipping date. We ship our steers and our open cows that uh, are not pregnant. And that usually takes to around, oh, the middle of October, something like that. 
Then we'll start gathering the horses down to where we're going to keep them uh, through Christmas. Uh, for two or three weeks, we'll go from like Baldy with the horses to the Dean country, from Apache down to Lover's Leap. And then around Christmas, things really slow down. In January, uh, the heifers start calving, the cows start calving also, but we're also trying to feed horses uh, and keep things going during the winter. And that's our main program till through April. Then we'll brand our cow, brand our calves for that year, and uh, start buying horses and getting ready for the next summer. So if you're if you're buying horses every summer, where where do the horses go that were there the summer before? Are they retiring, or do you sell them back? Some of, the horses that you know we sell thirty to thirty five a year, and we buy thirty to thirty five a year. We've got horse buyers that will buy the horses and try to find good homes for them. And that's the program right there. Sell 30, okay. buy 30. In preparation for the summer, are you also in charge of hiring all the Wranglers? Yes. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Jessica Seifert, who works for me, she, she does all the interviews and stuff like that. But us as a team, we decide who we're going to hire. Uh, Jessica goes through all the applicants, does the interviews. Uh, she's got full reign to hire as long as I know which one she, uh, she's picked. She keeps me up track. But uh, that's we hire about 30 to 32 Wranglers a year. Recently, three iconic Cowboys have retired full-time. Ben Vargas, Rod Taylor, and um, Bob Rickliffe. I know you worked with all of them. Do you have any fun stories you want to share there? You know, uh, Bob is Bob. He's a great guy, knows cows good. Uh, he doesn't have the best sense of humor in the world, but when he does, it's hilarious. Ben <laughs> is great to work for. Uh, <clears throat> he loves to hunt. He taught me a lot about hunting, and uh, I've known Ben for years. Rod, uh, great cowboy. I, I will tell one story about me and Rod. This is uh, one time me and Rod, we had gone and gathered horses. I think I was still on the fence crew then. I would help every once in a while. We traded to Phillips. We gathered some horses, but I had roped a horse, and he kept wanting to go back, so we thought that maybe we still had a horse there. And... Uh, Anyway, it rolled around, and we I guess they were thinking there might be a horse back at Apache. So it was this date was December 30th. We left base camp at 8 o'clock in the morning. Uh, I was on a horse called Little Boy, and I'm sure Rob was riding Leonard. Anyway, we tried, tried to get to Crater, and we couldn't get there. So we unloaded at Crater, and we started riding looking for this horse. Uh, anyway... As near as I can figure, we got to Porcupine. We went up Crater, up to Stock Drive, down to Phillips, split at Porcupine. Rod rode to Clear Creek. I rode to Crooked Creek. Now, we're riding in about two and a half feet of snow and very, very bitter cold that day. Uh, I went up from Crooked Creek up to Wild Horse Road, the trail, cut across Beauty Bar down to Buck Creek, uh, and then we met up at Phillips. 
I figure Rod rode 10 miles one way. That's 20 miles that day. I rode about 17 to 18 back to Crater. And to me, I'll I'll never forget that ride. Uh, We didn't have radios. We didn't have cell phones. Back then, we just took off and did stuff like that. And uh, we didn't get back to the trailer till 1030 that night. But that's one one thing that me and Rod did that I'll never forget for sure. It probably felt like you were the only human on earth. I think I'm probably the only person that's ever been at Crooked Creek on December 30th. And I'm sure Rod's been the only person that's ever been at Clear Creek on December 30th. But there wasn't nothing back there at all. <laughs> And we never found a horse, too, just just for the record. So all that, (laughs) just to have a nice ride. Out of all the cowboying that you've done, what part of the work do you love the most? You know, when it comes to cowboying on ranches, I used to I used to help run yearlings. I used to like to rope them. Uh, you know, we tie them down, doctor them. But we taking the cattle drive the the drives up to the high country. I really enjoyed that part. But a lot of it's just the camaraderie of working with the people. That's really a lot of it. The reason that we do it. I've worked with some really good cowboys. Uh, and you get really close with their families, uh, from Rod and Patty to Ben, Clamaco Garcia, uh, Bob Knotts. Uh, I worked for Leroy Webb for a while, a very famous horseman uh, at UU Bar. But that I really like the camaraderie and the and the lifestyle of cowboying. What would you say is something that is sort of behind the scenes or would surprise people that they don't know that, that you guys do, you know, day in and day out at Philmont as part of your role in the livestock department? Well, you see us during the summer on the horseback rides and stuff, but a lot of it is mundane. Uh, we do chores every morning. Uh, we feed horses day in, day out. That's what That's what we're here for. It's just to take care of the livestock, and uh, that's about it. There's nothing. There's nothing really behind the scenes that you see. We do. One of the things that we do, though, is we try to fix all the tack. We have probably 200 saddles, a lot of burrow saddles, and we have to go through every one of them every year, and all the head stalls. We do a lot of our own repairs, and uh, that spends a lot of our time during the winter doing that. You mentioned hunting with Ben, Ben Vargas. Do you do you get to elk hunt at Philmont? Well, we do have a hunting program at Philmont. I get the guides. I, I got it three hunts this year. I took out six hunters. And then uh, we have a drawing uh, for the full-time employees. Uh, there's a drawing, to, and if you get drawn, you get the chance to get a cow elk yourself for you and your family for me for the winter. But we hunt antelope, elk, deer, and turkey. I don't know if if this is something you would 
you would know, but um, I saw on Facebook a lot of people commenting about wolves in the area. Okay. We don't have any wolves here near Fairmont right now. Uh, there are wolves in southwest New Mexico right now, uh, in the Gila, Silver City, that area. But really, there's uh, there's no wolves near Cimarron right now. There's been talk of putting them up here or not putting them up here, but uh, I don't know of any wolves close. There are some that have entered Colorado this year on their own in Northwest Colorado, uh, but we don't have any we don't have any wolves near Cimarron. No. Okay. Yeah i i don't I don't know the politics of that at all. I just I thought that was interesting. The the wolves were brought in uh, the. The Federal Fish and Wildlife reinstated wolves in southwest New Mexico about 20 years ago, and they brought them into Yellowstone area from Canada about the same time. So the wolves that that you see in Yellowstone, Montana, Wyoming, they were introduced, and the same with the ones in the Gila, they were introduced to bring back. And... For good or bad, whatever your politics are, they were reintroduced. Okay. Okay. Thank you. So currently you are the livestock foreman. And so the full-time department there, it's you. And then there's, I believe, Dave Kennecke, Lucas Long, Brian Hobrock, and Jessica, as you mentioned. Is that your team or is there someone I'm missing? Okay. Dave is our boss. He's uh, in charge of not only the the ranching part of the ranch, but also the farming, the roads, and the conservation. He's got all those programs going. Uh, the livestock, I'm the livestock foreman. Lucas Long is in charge of the cows. Uh, Jessica and Brian help with the horses a lot. And uh, then I am also have the fence crew underneath me. Lee Bass and Chris Coca work underneath me on the fence crew. So considering your team and the work of, of everyone in that department, what are you guys looking forward to or excited for kind of the future and the upcoming summer? Anything new coming or just kind of maintaining and sustaining the livestock? Well, you know, Caitlin, in 2018, we had the fire. And then... 2019, we started up again. 2020, we had COVID and ranch shut down. There for a while, we lost our continuity in our staff members. Uh, I could see it a little bit in 2019 because we skipped a year. We had a lot less staff members that had worked here before. Then in 2020, when we shut down for COVID, that really hurt. When we came back in 2021, it it was like starting over with our staff. And uh, then this year in 22, we had a lot more staff members come back. So we're getting our continuity back. And it, I'm really excited because in 2023, we have a lot of returning staff, all over, not only in the horse department, but on the ranch. And it makes it so much easier to train new people. Uh, It's less work. And and it's just, it's exciting to see that continuity come back 
that you guys, when y'all worked here, you knew that you're, you know, if you were here for two or three years and other people, you trained new people. Well, we lost that, but now we're getting it back. And that's really exciting for me. That's really good to hear. I'm glad to hear that for, for your department and, and the rest of the ranch, hopefully it's as well. Um, yeah. Are you sticking around for a while or are you going to retire? Can I ask? Uh, I'm going to have to retire sometime, but they're going to kick me off. And they will someday, I'm sure. So I've always said I'd like to stay as long as I can, as long as I can shoe a horse and pick up a bale of hay. And I shot a horse yesterday, and I fed some hay the day before. So I, I really enjoy it. I, I know that uh, uh, every, it can't last forever, but I'd like for it to. But it all ends sometime. I'm glad you're still there. I know a lot of people are glad you're you're around, so keep it up. Um, do you live on property, or are you in Cimarron? I live most of the time when I work for Philmont. I own a house in town that me and my wife and family lived at. But in uh, 2019, when I became the horse foreman uh, or the livestock foreman, uh, I got the house that Ben, reti- when he retired, that they lived in. So I do live on the ranch right now and has and have since 2019. And that's that's one of the best things about working at Philmont is living out here. Uh, we enjoy the wildlife, the quiet. Uh, you know, it's not noisy like living in Cimarron, but uh, I do live on the ranch right now. Do you want to talk at all about New Mexico, like what you love about New Mexico? Well, uh, I came to New Mexico because of Philmont and the country. Uh, when it's 120 degrees in Texas, that was uh, like it has been. You know, it's so nice to live here in New Mexico now. My, the rest of my family talks. We don't even go back during the summer. We only go back from like Thanksgiving to Christmas to April. Uh, my boy lives in Kittiquay, Texas. He works with the Texas Parks and Wildlife as a state police officer. And, uh, oh, it's just so hot. Can't take it anymore in <laughs> Texas during the summer. But uh, we love New Mexico, the mountains. Uh, it, it's neat. Uh, some things are like you got to go a long way to get sometimes to, to get a grocery store. Uh, you know, we have a little one here in Cimarron, but we do a lot of shopping in Taos and, and Trinidad and Raton. Uh, if, if you have health problems, it, you know, you may have to go to Santa Fe or Vegas or Albuquerque. That's a problem. But uh, to live here in Cimarron in a small town, to raise a family in this country has been a very enjoyable and awesome experience. That's great to hear. I'm happy for you. Um, oh, do you are you planning to attend the Wrangler reunion in Red River this summer? Yes, what well, we can. You know, the around the Fourth of July is really busy for us, and I'm going to try to get to Red River. I don't know if I can spend the night or anything, but I'm looking forward to everybody being here on the Fourth of July. I'm really looking forward to that. I help. Uh, I'm the rodeo chairman for the fourth at the Maverick Club who puts on the rodeo. So 
it's going to be hard for me to get to Red River, but I hope to one day for sure. The Maverick Club Rodeo is very iconic in Cimarron uh, for Philmont staff. I assume you've been involved for many years. Anything you want to share there? Well, you know, our rodeo is more of, it's a good rodeo, but it's also more like a uh, reunion. You would be surprised how many wranglers that have worked here before have won a buckle in the wild horse race, the wild cow milking. A lot of the wranglers compete, and some of them have several buckles. So it's a, it's a great thing for Philmont, the wranglers, and for a rodeo, too. Is it still the tradition of, of your department that the wranglers get that day off, the 4th of July off? Yes, yes. We have to double up on our rides on the 3rd and the 5th, but yes, uh, we we do get the 4th of July off. Do you have any good uh, cowboy jokes? Oh, I don't know, Caitlin. Uh, <laughs> Somebody told you know, me you did, I, so I, I had to ask. <laughs> you know, again, I have several stories on film what I like to tell, though. This is for Jeremy Spivey, uh, uh, John Alexander, all Brian Holbrook and everything. Throughout the years, there's been a lot of things that happened, but uh, one of them I like to talk about, me and a guy named Bart Ray are probably the only two Wranglers in the history of Philmont who actually lost a horseback ride. We lost it for an hour and a half. Uh, The horseback rides back in the 70s, we used to go from Clark's Fort to to Cimarron-Cito, eat lunch. We'd take a crew, take their packs in a truck, take them horseback, and reverse it from Cito to Clark's in the afternoon. But anyway, uh, me and Bart, there was 45 riders back then. We actually got behind a little bit, got to the crowds. Danny Salome, our horseman, was working there uh, with the truck. He looked at it and said, where's the freaking ride? We had lost it for an hour and a half. We caught up with it about Webster Lake about 30 minutes later, brought him back. Nobody ever knew on the ride that we were gone, but we're, that was probably the only two people that's ever lost a horseback ride on Philmont Scout Ranch. That's something to be remembered for. <laughs> yes, yeah. I've never really told that one. That was not one of our brightest moments for sure. But uh, <laughs> there's always a lot of good stories about the horse department and and stuff. If you ever get to interview Ben, Ben has a sense of humor. You should add, he loves he used to love to play jokes on the Wranglers. And uh, what like what jokes? Do you want to share one, or do you want to let him do it? If I interview him someday, I'll let Ben do it. But you know, we used to the, a lot of the things we used to do back then are not allowed today. But we'd go into different camps. Uh, steal all their cinches, and uh, so the next morning they couldn't saddle their horses. Uh, stuff, Just stuff like that. But uh, <laughs> there, there's a lot, of, a lot of good times, a lot of good humor within the horse department, just like there is in the Rangers and everybody else. The Rangers are like everybody else. You make friends at Philmont that you're still going to be friends with when you're 60 and 70 years old. It's amazing the friendships that you develop through the years here at this place. It's awesome. It is awesome. I agree. That's all I have for you, Chuck. Um, You're awesome for taking my call tonight and answering these questions. Is there anything I 
I didn't ask or anything else you want to share? You know, I've, I've thought long things about this and and what Philmont means. You know, we've we're, we've been going through the bankruptcy. We've had the fires. Everything's everybody's looked. The rumor was Philmont was going to sell. You know, we're still here, Caitlin, and we're Philmont's going to be here for a long, long time. And I hope all the previous staff members that worked here realize that. And I tried to come up with a sentence or something about Philmont. And I'm going to say, close with this. And this is attributed to Carrie Anderson, not me. But Philmont is, uh, she said this, and it was mentioned at uh, Mark Anderson's retirement, but Philmont's a pretty neat pile of rocks, but it's the people that make it special. And I hope everybody realizes that. And uh, when you look at the Philmont Staff Association and all the people that, I mean, this this is amazing that so many people have worked here and it's special to so many of those people. It's awesome to work here. I feel lucky to be a part of that and to have worked at Philmont. So thank you so much for, for the interview this evening. And um, I will... I'll be there this summer at the rodeo. So if I see you, I'll come say hello. And thank you for all the work you do out there, you and and everyone in your department, for all that work you guys do to keep it a working cattle ranch. And thank you. I I enjoy your podcast. And uh, I hope I don't sound like an idiot. (laughs) And uh, looking forward to seeing you this summer. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much, Chuck. You bet. Adios. Thank you.